You are listening to the Cheeky Podcast for Moms with IBD, a safe space where moms with Crohn's and colitis connect, explore powerful tools for healing, and transform our lives to thrive in motherhood and in life. I'm your host, Karen Haley, IBD health coach, integrative wellness enthusiast, and mom to three outstanding kids. After having Crohn's disease for 30 years and working as a health advocate exclusively with IBD clients for the last 10 years, I know it's time to bring the types of candid conversations I have with my clients out into the open. It's our time to go on an IBD healing journey and do it like only a mom can. Let's do this. What is up, Mama? Karen with you today in episode number seven of the Cheeky Podcast for Moms with IBD. Today we're talking about one of the juiciest topics, food. But not just any kind of food, my friend. It's my favorite kind of food, gut healing food. Over the last 12 years, I've become quite the IBD foodie, I must say, but I definitely didn't start out that way. I grew up in an Italian family with an Italian mom at the helm, making the homemade sauce weekly was a staple in our house. We also had Italian bread and mashed potatoes and pizza, cannoli, spumoni ice cream. If you haven't had spumoni ice cream, you have to try it. It's an Italian ice cream. And of course, Italian cookies. Oh, those Italian cookies. It makes me think about my wedding day and my wedding reception at Salvatore's Italian Gardens. And if you're thinking and picturing about this restaurant with glitz and glam, pure Italian with chandeliers, crystal European statues, that was the place where we had our wedding reception. And for dessert, it wasn't enough to have my Italian family have the traditional wedding cake. Oh no, we also had to have the Jordan almonds at every place setting. There was baked Alaska for dessert. And of course, that wasn't even enough. We had to have the Italian wedding cookies because mostly because it was Italian protocol, but also just in case somebody was still hungry after all of that dessert, maybe they wanted some Italian cookies as well. What my non-Italian husband and his family must have thought about this wedding, the wedding I had dreamed about since I was a little girl, literally, it was actually called the reception package. It was called the wedding of your dreams. I had dreamt about this wedding even before I had met my husband. So yes, food, Italian food, standard American diet food. If this gives you any insight into what my foodie life was like before I became an IVD foodie, trust me, I get it. I get it what it's like to be on the standard American diet as a foodie there, an Italian foodie, but still the standard American diet. I don't come from the granola-loving, health-nut family stock. If that's you right now, if you can relate to what I'm talking about, I want you to know that you can still be a foodie. I hear from moms all the time when they're switching over to an IBD-style diet, oh no, the food. I promise you, you can still be a foodie even when you become an IBD foodie. It's just a little bit different. It's a different kind of food when you choose food as medicine. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell you that IBD healing food isn't a sacrifice because it is. I'd be lying if I told you different. My mouth still waters when that 
takeout box of pizza comes into our house and I smell, I smell the aroma of the pizza. Or when my son, my teenage son, who he makes all of the Italian dishes of my youth, when he makes my grandmother's recipes, scrumptious, scrumptious lasagna, my mouth waters. But I have to tell you, my mouth also waters with my IBD food, like my almond flour pizza with caramelized onions and roasted red peppers, or my no bread Thanksgiving stuffing. It's coveted by my whole family. Or my dairy-free cashew cream cheesecake. Delicious. These dishes are delicious too. They're just different. So before we go any further here into all of these specific IBD healing diets and how they might work for you, I want you to know that the best way, the best way that you can become an IBD foodie is by following these three steps. Step number one, be committed. Be committed and dive in with gusto. If you're going to do this, do it. The moms who get pulled in, roped in, or maybe they dabble one day and then they indulge in mac and cheese the next, they will always regret their decision. Wait until you're ready. You're ready to get started and then completely commit. My tip number two to you is that you think of your new food and your old food as something completely different. Don't just think of it as a substitute or a less than version. It's not less than. It's just different. Think of that grain-free pizza I know you'll be eating. Think about that as something completely new, even exotic and exciting, and something that you have the privilege to try. It's a slight mind shift here. I know it's slight, but it will actually have a huge impact in how you move through the IBD foodie life and whether you stick with it or not. And then the last tip I want to give you is to be ready to embrace seasonings and spices, even ones you've never heard of or never tried before. Because the right seasonings, it can take a meal you might think of as boring, it can take it to delectable and delish, and to something that you'll even share with your friends and family who never know just how healthy it is. All right, with that said, let's dive into your seven options for gut healing diets. Of course, the specific carbohydrate diet, you know that one's going to be on there. Of course, that's going to be one of them. But what's interesting here is that what I see is many moms with IBD, they think that the SCD is the only option out there because it's touted as the best diet for IBDers. The truth is, though, that there is no one-size-fits-all diet. There's loads of Crohn's and colitis-friendly options to consider. It's about picking the diet that works best for your symptoms and your lifestyle. And only you know what's best for you. Only you know what's going to work for you considering those things. It will usually take some trial and error when you're new to the world of IBD diets, so allow yourself that time too. You might need to make a little tweak, a little change here and there, and that's all good. Allow for it, and you can make this your own. There's most assuredly more than seven options out there, but these are the top seven that I work with most. And there's so much information. Know that there's so much information within each one of these diets. It could really take a whole episode. Scratch that. It could take multiple episodes for each of these. But today, it's more about an appetizer, a smorgasbord, if you will, so that you can get a little bit of this 
a little bit of that, really just enough to tempt your taste buds and also tempt your mind. And if you want to go deeper, if you want to find out about a particular diet, you can download my free guide, Seven IBD Foodie Diets Explained, and it will take this conversation a little bit deeper for you. It will have suggestions for further reading about each diet. It will have specifics about who the diet is best for. It will have a section that I call what's on the table and what's off the table. So you'll know exactly what you can eat and what you can't on each eating plan. As a little bonus, there's actually even going to be a couple more eating plans we don't even get to today. See how many there are? There is no one size fits all. There's the one that's best for you. You can access my 7 IBD Foodie Diets Explained by going to karenhaley.com forward slash diet. That's K-A-R-Y-N-H-A-L-E-Y.com forward slash diet. So you can go there and find it, or of course, you can go to the show notes and you can catch that freebie right there as well. Let's go ahead and start with the least restrictive approach first. So that's what we're going to do on the podcast today. We'll start with the least restrictive approach, and then we're going to continue on, and the diets will get more restrictive as we go. And I do that purposely because I always tell clients, start with the least restrictive restrictive option when it comes to diet. If that works, fantastic, great, you're set. But if not, you can always go deeper until you find the diet that works best for you. So IBD foodie diet number one is the whole foods approach. I know you've heard about this way of eating. It's touted as the best plan for everyone, not just for those with IBD. And in a gut shell, see what I did there? In a gut shell, the whole foods approach, it cuts out pretty much everything that's in your pantry. So with this approach, you're going to stay away from boxed, packaged, canned foods in favor of foods in their whole and natural state. So processed food, refined sugar like high fructose corn syrup, chemicals, dyes, artificial flavors, they're off the table. Food is always in its natural and whole state. That's the key here. The whole foods approach is high in fruits and vegetables, of course, things like berries and leafy greens. There's quality protein like chicken or fish, and there's quality fats like from things like avocados, healthy nuts, healthy oils. It usually includes smaller portions of your carbs like gluten-free grains, maybe quinoa or rice. There can be some gluteny grains in there and maybe things like sourdough bread, that is a gluteny grain but a healthier option. So that might be in there as well. It's included for its health benefits, but usually things like GMOs, those genetically modified organisms, and unfermented soy, those are usually off the table in a whole foods approach. And of course, organic is always preferred on this diet. For some people, this is enough. It's enough to bring their IBD into remission. Staying away from high amounts of sugar and most gluten, processed foods, and all the chemicals in our food, it's enough. Whether this diet works for you, it usually depends on your disease activity as well as other health factors that you might have. In my practice, I actually have an eight-week deep dive gut rebalance program for this specific way of eating. And I have it because for some moms with IBD, it can be a first line of defense for the standard American diet mamas who 
maybe have a pretty mild case in their disease activity, or they know they're ready to commit fully to whole foods, but they don't know whether they need to take it deeper. This is the place for them to start. So if you're currently on the standard American diet in this whole food as medicine approach, if it's new to you and you want to start slow and then possibly move into other options if needed, this IBD foodie diet, the whole foods diet, it's a good starting place. Moving on to approach number two is the whole foods diet plus the removal of gluten and dairy. I said we were going to keep going. It's getting a little more restrictive with each one. So this is very similar to that whole foods diet. But here we add on the removal of gluten and dairy. And again, this appeals to moms who have mild disease activity, ones just moving from the standard American diet, but especially moms who know for sure they have a sensitivity to gluten or dairy. With this approach, you start with whole foods, and then there's those two key pieces added in, no gluten and no dairy. When it comes to gluten sensitivity, let's go ahead and tackle that one first. When it comes to gluten sensitivity and this IBD foodie diet, it's best if there's not even any occasional gluten. You know, like you might find in the whole foods only approach where there might be some occasional gluten in there. Instead, with this diet, it's eliminated completely. The thing about gluten here is that, well, let me just first tell you, gluten is a protein found in many grains like wheat, barley, and rye. And it's common for IBDers to have difficulty digesting gluten. There definitely needs to be some more research here to find out about the exact mechanisms at play when it comes to gluten and IBDers. But what we do know is that many individuals, that for many individuals, gluten can be a gut disruptor. It can lead to intestinal permeability. That's that leaky gut you probably have heard of. And it can further aggravate your IBD due to its ability to increase intestinal bacteria. Many people with Crohn's and colitis feel better when they follow a gluten-free diet, so I always say it's worth a trial period away from it. Usually three weeks to three months is recommended. Now dairy, let's talk about the dairy in this diet. The dairy removal with this eating plan, it's an interesting conversation. We know that dairy can be inflammatory for many people when you already have an illness that involves inflammation. You might not want to push your luck here. We also know that we're the only species that drink another animal's milk. When you think about it, it's kind of weird in and of itself. It's weird, right? What I've seen in my practice with dairy is that many of my clients, they do see improvement of their IBD symptoms when they remove dairy. But what's interesting about dairy is that unlike gluten, there seems to be a continuum here of what people can tolerate. For some, it might be just a splash in their morning coffee or tea, and that's what they can tolerate for the day. For others, they might tolerate a small glass of milk with their food, but not on an empty stomach. For others, no dairy works. Dairy intolerance can be very individual. Common symptoms, though, to look for if you're thinking about dairy sensitivity. Common symptoms might include bloating, feeling gassy, sometimes smelly gas, or having diarrhea after you eat. For some, it isn't about the gut at all. They might have chronic sinus or allergy issues, excessive mucus, or even heartburn. That can be a sign of a dairy sensitivity. 
With dairy, there's two potential culprits here that might affect you. There's the milk sugar itself. That's the lactose. You've probably heard of someone who's lactose intolerant. That's because of the milk sugar. But there's also a protein found in dairy. It's called casein. Some people are more sensitive to the lactose. Some people it's the casein. And many are sensitive to both. The great news for those with dairy challenges is that there are so many alternatives now. Oh, it's amazing. Most people with dairy sensitivity, they can find an alternative. They can find it right in their grocery store, something like cashew milk or almond milk or coconut milk. Those are just a few possibilities. There's even cheese alternatives that actually taste good. One of my favorite brands, it's called Siete, and they have them in most grocery stores in the United States. But if not, you can also buy them online. Their non-dairy queso dip, ah, it's delicious. I love it. The Whole Foods plus gluten and dairy-free approach, it's great for anyone with IVD when they want to try a less restrictive healing diet. But the one that does remove those two most common gut disruptors, the gluten and the dairy. Try it. Notice. See if you notice any improvements for you. It's definitely worth a try. Let's move on to our third IBD foodie approach, and that is the paleo diet. This eating plan, it's gained lots of popularity in recent years. It's even available at grocery stores. You can go to your regular grocery store and find food that's labeled paleo. Remember, we're going to be going here in descending order in terms of restrictiveness. So the paleo is just a little bit more restrictive than the whole foods with the gluten and dairy-free approach. Because, of course, it does include everything I mentioned earlier, but it also excludes grains, legumes, dairy, most sugar, and white potatoes as well. This diet, it's again, it's high in whole fruits and vegetables, quality meat, quality fat. It also includes organ meats and sweet potatoes. They're included, but rice and quinoa, those are not, and other grains aren't as well. This is your first on our list of many other gut healing diets that go beyond gluten-free grains, and they say no to all grains. This makes it a really good time for me to explain the why behind the whole grain-free approach for IBDers so that you can decide if you want to stay away from these grains as well. First of all, in the world of paleo, we're talking about eating like our paleolithic ancestors. So these prehistoric beings, they hadn't yet cultivated crops. So that's one of the reasons why there's no grains in the paleo plan. For us IBD gals, Grains can be damaging to our digestive system. They contain proteins called lectins, as well as compounds called phytates. These compounds, they can promote inflammation and they can inhibit our digestion. So you can see why grains might cause problems for us specifically. With the specific carbohydrate diet, and that one also restricts grains, it goes even beyond this reasoning to avoid grains, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. One last thing, one last note about paleo that I want to mention to you is about the sweeteners because there's restrictions there too. Your main sweetener on paleo, it's maple syrup. But raw honey, real stevia, coconut sugar, those are some of the sweeteners that can also be used. White sugar, as you probably guessed, it's never used on paleo. While I'm talking about this, while I'm talking about these three gut healing diets we've mentioned so far, the whole foods approach, the whole foods plus gluten and dairy free, and then paleo, 
I'm reminded about how often we're told by our medical professionals that diet has nothing to do with our illness and that we can eat whatever we want. It makes no difference in how we feel. Sure, like me, you might have been told, eat bland, but that's really the extent of the conversation, isn't it? When we talk about this and you hear about the complications you can experience from things like gluten and dairy and grains and sugar, with impacts like disrupted digestion, inflammation, possible leaky gut. And we know, we know that staying away from processed food, it can have the opposite effect on our digestive system. So how is it possible that the food we eat doesn't affect our Crohn's or colitis? It makes no sense at all. We have to have a paradigm shift here. We have to include food in our IBD wellness plan. We have to talk about this. We have to spread the word. I feel like lately we're in the middle of a shift here. Have you seen this? <laughs> Tell me what you think. I feel like there are some doctors, even our traditional Western gastroenterologists that are starting to talk about this. I hope so. But what we eat does matter. It can have a big impact on how we feel. It doesn't need to be our only approach. It's important to note that. It doesn't have to be the only thing that we change, but it must be a part of our overall approach when it comes to IBD. We've made it. We've made it to diet number four on our list of IBD foodie diets. And number four is the big kahuna. It's the specific carbohydrate diet. The STD, it's actually very similar to paleo. Just like all the diets have their similarities, it has a whole foods approach with the emphasis on fruit, vegetables, quality proteins, and fat. It does not contain gluten, grains, refined sugar, and most dairy. But in some ways, it takes things a step further because it really hones in on the gut and IBD health. Elaine Gottschall, who made this diet famous in Crohn's and colitis circles, she used this diet successfully with her daughter who had colitis. So unlike the first three we've talked about today, this is the first one that was really popularized with us in mind. What's the difference between paleo and SCD? That's a question I get asked all the time. Well, some foods on the paleo, they are not allowed on SCD and vice versa. Some foods on SCD, they're not allowed on paleo. Take dairy. Take dairy, for instance. Dairy is a no-go for paleo, and most dairy isn't allowed on the SCD. But this homemade, lactose-free, fermented dairy in the form of yogurt, it is allowed on SCD. In fact, I'd call it the crux of the diet due to its probiotic and gut flora balancing properties. Another difference is the sweeteners. Maple syrup that's allowed on the paleo, it's not allowed on SCD. It's not allowed because it is a disaccharide, which is a more of a complex carbohydrate and it's harder for us to break down by our digestive system. Honey, as a sweetener, it's allowed because it's a monosaccharide, so it's easier for our digestive system to digest. You see, in SCD land, it's not about eating like our Paleolithic ancestors. It's not about eating a whole foods approach, although there's lots of whole foods in there. It's about eating in a way that encourages the easiest digestion of the food we eat, and it promotes the best bacterial balance for our entire body. See how this diet is really just tailor-made for IBDers? There's slight differences, but for some with IBD, 
These differences, they matter a lot. Let's move on to diet number five. Diet number five on our IBD foodie list is the GAPS diet. GAPS stands for Gut and Psychology Syndrome, and this diet created by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, it was based off of the SCD. So again, it's very similar. But as its name suggests, it was created more for psychological challenges like anxiety, depression, also autism and ADHD. But interestingly, I find this interesting, it's also helpful for Crohn's and colitis. And if you're a believer like me in the Hippocrates wisdom that all disease begins in the gut, you can see why it's become an IBD foodie diet as well. GAPS, it's so closely linked with SCD that the differences, they're subtle. GAPS includes the homemade fermented yogurt, just like the specific carbohydrate diet. But Dr. McBride, she recognizes that many people with these types of challenges, they can be sensitive to dairy. And she advised that you wait a while before you include this. Wait until your symptoms are more stable. Then you can add in this lactose-free, but not dairy-free, yogurt. Dr. McBride also keeps fruit at bay in the beginning of the diet. Fruit contains sugar. Yes, it's natural sugar, but it's sugar to our body nonetheless. So the fruit consumption, it's restricted in the beginning to give your gut time to rebalance the sugar and bacteria imbalance that's going on within the digestive system. Remember, sugar feeds bacteria, so more sugar equals more bad bacteria. Less sugar, even from fruit, it equals a, more of a bacterial balance. Chicken soup, that staple that's on the specific carbohydrate diet, it's rich in gut healing bone broth properties. In the GAPS diet, it's changed to meat stock. Again, it's very similar, but it's cooked with less water and less time. And according to Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, it's better for gut healing mode. And then the more of the chicken soup, the bone broth, it's better for remission. The last notable difference that I see when I look at the SCD in the gaps is that those fermented probiotic rich cultured foods like sauerkraut, kefir, and then eventually cultured fermented veg vegetables to help with the bacterial balance in the gut, those are very much emphasized on the GAPS diet where they aren't so much on the specific carbohydrate diet. Truthfully, I think Elaine Gottschall, I think she would have appreciated this angle on gut healing, but it is just more talked about on the GAPS diet. Time for a check-in. How are we doing? Is the difference between SCD and GAPS making sense to you? Those subtle differences, right? Have you been thinking about trying any of these diets so far? These are definitely the two that I just talked about, the SCD and the GAPS. These are definitely the most popular in the world of gut healing diets. But remember, one is not better than the other. There's just the diet that works best for you, both symptoms-wise and taking into account your lifestyle. As you can imagine, there's a huge learning curve with diets like this. Definitely more of a learning curve than when you follow the whole foods approach. There's also more cooking at home and more ingredient restrictions. But on the flip side, there can also be more of a healing reward as well. We have to balance all this when we decide on the best gut healing diet for us to try. 
Remember, if you want to take this a step further and you want to really suss out what this diet could look like for you, what any of these diets could look like for you, go ahead and download my free resource guide, Seven Foodie Diets Explained. It breaks down each of these specific diets. It tells you what's on the table, what's off the table, who the diet is best for, and it gives more information for further study to help you make the best decision for you. If any of these diets appeal to you, if you want more information, you can download that guide by going to karenhaley.com forward slash diet. It's Karen with a Y forward slash diet, or you can click on, click on the link in my show notes. Home stretch time, home stretch. Moving on to IBD foodie diet number six. Remember, as we go, we're getting more restrictive. That can mean more healing though. So it's better for people with a more complicated IBD challenging case. The next couple, they can be a godsend and they can be the answer for you. All right, number six is the SIBO-specific diet. Have you heard about this eating plan? The SIBO-specific diet, it was created by SIBO expert Dr. Allison Seebecker, and she takes the FODMAPS diet and the specific carbohydrate diet, and she mashes them into one. Now, let me just back this train up. Let's back it up a couple feet and make sure everyone's on the same page before we really dive in and talk about the specifics of this diet. First, let's chat about SIBO. Let's talk about that. SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. If you follow what we've been talking about this whole episode regarding IBDers and having this bacterial imbalance in their intestine, then you can absolutely see that people with IBD, they're more prone to this bacterial overgrowth. They're more prone to it in their small intestine. And since SIBO really has its focus in the small intestine, I think it's important to point out that I definitely see this struggle more with Crohn's clients than I do with colitis since with Crohn's clients their disease can occur anywhere along the GI tract and it often does find its way into the small intestine. When it comes to SIBO there's a diet that's been very helpful for people with this condition. It's called the low FODMAPS diet. Now FODMAPS it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polysaccharides. So FODMAPS. If you have a really good ear, you'll remember back when we spoke about the specific carbohydrate diet, I mentioned one of those words. I think actually two of those words. I mentioned disaccharides and monosaccharides. These saccharides, they rear their ugly heads again because they wreak havoc on our digestive system. A diet low in these short-chain carbohydrates and sugars, it can be very helpful to ease your SIBO symptoms. You might be wondering, why would I even bring up this diet here? We're talking about inflammatory bowel disease, not SIBO. But like I mentioned, IBD and SIBO, they go hand in hand. In fact, with my clients, I see it all the time. Many people with Crohn's specifically, but sometimes colitis too, they also suffer from SIBO. And that's where that SIBO-specific diet can come in handy. It's basically a combo of the low FODMAP and the specific carbohydrate diet. I, I truly, I love this diet. I love it for moms who have IBD and SIBO both because it works quite well for them. It is restrictive, 
But the good news is that it's not meant for forever. Usually once symptoms clear up, you can move on to a less restrictive diet. Like all of these diets, really except for the whole food approach that I recommend you always follow as best you can, none of these diets are forever. It's not your forever. It's just your for now. As you're able to add in more foods, you should always take that opportunity to add variety and health to your eating plan. I want to say one last thing, one last side note about SIBO. Just like all of these, just like all of the gut healing diets, the SIBO-specific diet, it's going to be just one part of your healing plan. Yes, it's a crucial part. In my opinion, it's the most important part. But there's always other supplements. There's lifestyle factors. With SIBO especially, there's possible medications and other treatments that are included to bring your disease into full remission. Going into the specifics of all of this, in this particular episode, it goes beyond our focus today. But the good news is that we have other episodes. We can go there in another episode. There's so much to talk about when it comes to IBD. I can't wait. By the way, there's links to Dr. Seebecker's website. If you think you might have SIBO or you're questioning it, I highly encourage you to go there. She has a fabulous website and really She's unparalleled when it comes to SIBO information. So I highly encourage you to check out that link. I'm also going to put a link for Monash, the Monash website. It is more information about FODMAPs, including the actual FODMAPs, low FODMAPs diet. I'll put a link for that as well in the show notes. There's a great app that they have that you can get right on your phone. It's awesome information. These sites are definitely worth a look if you're interested in SIBO or low FODMAPs. The last IBD foodie diet we're going to talk about today, the last one for your gut healing diet consideration, it's diet number seven, and it brings us back, circling back to the paleo diet. This eating plan, it's just a little bit different than paleo. It's called the autoimmune paleo. It takes the autoimmune aspect of our disease into account. Think back to paleo. Remember, that was a very whole foods approach, eating like our Paleolithic ancestors with no grains, legumes, beans, or dairy. Certain sweeteners allowed, but it's also really high in fruits, vegetables, high quality protein and fat, organ meats. But where the paleo is what I would call more of a lifestyle diet for those who are interested in eating healthy, the autoimmune paleo, it's more about healing by removing the paleo foods that might be causing you inflammation just for a short period of time so that you can allow your body to restore its microbial balance, correct nutrient deficiencies, allow the body to release toxins before you then move into the traditional paleo way of eating. Paleo, it allows foods like nuts, seeds, chocolate, eggs, nightshades, And when we remove these, we allow the body the time it needs to heal. These foods are then added back in when the time is right. Most people who start the autoimmune paleo, they transition into the paleo approach and then they stay there for as long as they feel well. 
like with all of these diets, sometimes maintenance, sometimes routine maintenance and tweaks and adjustments are needed. So you can always, even if you started on autoimmune or went to paleo, you can always go back for a tune-up. If you feel like a flare is coming on, if you feel like you're in a particularly stressful point in your life, you can always go back to the autoimmune phase before heading back to paleo. Same goes for all of these diets. They all have introductory sort of periods. You can always go back there. And I've done that many times before myself to just get a little tune-up before moving back in. So there you have it. The top seven IBD foodie diets explained in kind of my appetizer smorgasbord kind of way. Is there a lot more you should know about these diets, about these eating plans before you get started? Yes, absolutely. There's more. The idea behind this episode was to let you know what's possible. I hope, I hope that it just got your juices flowing about what could be possible for you. You probably noticed with this episode, I definitely want to mention this, you probably noticed that I never said anything about a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, and that was actually purposeful. All of these diets, all of these diets, they can be adapted for vegans or vegetarians. Whole foods, SCD, paleo, low FODMAPs, they're all doable for vegans and vegetarians with some modifications. That's why I didn't give that an actual gut healing category because I want you to know that you could do, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you can still do these diets. You can adapt them for your IBD foodie needs. It does take some careful thought though. So if you you are a vegetarian or a vegan and you wanna try one of these diets, definitely really look it over. Do some careful planning before you get started because some of these diets, they are structured as what I would call meat intensive, but it is doable. So don't give up. You can do it too. As always, as always at the end of our time together, we've come to the part where we talk about how you're going to do it like a mom. Okay, number one, you're going to download my resource, my free guide, The 7 IBD Foodie Diets Explained. That you can find in the show notes or at karenhaley.com forward slash diet. Number two, you're going to peruse the information and just let it sink in. Take some time, just peruse it, let it sink in. You can even make a pro-con list for yourself, just like Rory from Gilmore Girls with her pro-con lists. Great show, by the way, if you haven't seen it. And lastly, number three, you're going to pick the one that speaks to you right now. Not forever, right now. Just do it. Pick the one that speaks to you right now and then go for it. Go for it with gusto, mama. Dive in. Dive in with all your heart. Think of each new food as something completely new. It's not a substitute. It's something completely new and exciting and in some cases exotic. And you're going to use those spices and seasonings that are in the recipes, but maybe you've never tried before. You're going to use those liberally. Get saucy with it, girl. You can do it. Use those liberally. And if you pick the one that isn't right for you, that's okay. You're going to switch it up a little. See just how similar all of these diets, one falls into the next, to the next, to the next. They're so similar. So if one doesn't work for you, it's okay. It's okay to just pick yourself up, start again. Keep trying. Keep taking chances. Keep your healing journey moving forward. Always moving forward. 
Rome wasn't built in a day. And neither was your gut health, mom friend. Build it stone by stone and step by step at a time. You're going to get there. You will get there and I'll be there with bells on, giving you virtual hugs and high fives. You can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. As always, if you listen to this episode and you still have questions, or if you download my guide and then you want some help figuring out what is the best approach for you, that's what I'm here for. The beauty of this IBD mom tribe that we have to support each other is that I'm here. I'm here to help you. So don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you so much for joining me today and for listening to today's episode. When it comes to IBD, I know there's a lot of resources out there and I'm truly honored that you chose the Cheeky Podcast to get your IBD information today. If you found this information helpful, please give us a rating and review. It helps other moms find the podcast and see what we're doing over here to help IBD moms everywhere. And if you feel called to do it, share this podcast with an IBD mom who you know could really use an uplifting message today, because that's what we're all about over here at the Cheeky Podcast. One last thing, if you're still with me, and if you are, you're definitely my kind of gal. We have to get to know each other better. If you're tired of living on the hamster wheel of IBD with all the ups and downs between flares and remission, if you're struggling to get control of your abdominal pain, gas, bloating, diarrhea, and other troubling IBD symptoms, go to my website. It's karenhaley.com, and my mom had to be just a little bit different, spell my name with a Y. So it's K-A-R-Y-N-H-A-L-E-Y.com, and schedule your very own free 30-minute IBD root cause troubleshooting session with me, where we discuss the challenges you've been having, we set goals to help you move forward, and we talk about how we can work together to help you get your life back. It's a power-packed 30 minutes. You don't have to live in IBD status quo. There's so much that can be done to transform your life so you can thrive in motherhood and thrive with IBD. I've seen my clients walk this path and it gives me so much joy to take that journey with them. My entire coaching practice is run online so you never have to leave your house and you never have to get out of your jammy or yoga pants for us to work together. You know I'm wearing them too. If you're ready to take your first amazing step towards healing, I'm ready to chat with you. Schedule your free 30-minute IBD root cause troubleshooting sesh today at karenhaley.com. Click on the work with me tab and I'll see you soon. It's important to note that the information in this podcast and in this episode is for general information purposes only and not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The statements made in the Cheeky Podcast for Moms with IBD, either by me or my guests, is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Before implementing any new treatment protocols, do yourself a favor and consult your physician first. Thank you so much for listening, for being here, for saving this space for us to spend some time together. Until we chat again, I'm wishing you a cheeky and healthy IBD journey.